0: Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Louis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the CEOs, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week, Ann and Lewis are speaking with Shay Aldretti, the CEO and co-founder of Gen X Biosciences, a canatech firm focused on using innovative technology and scalable extraction methodologies to deliver premium cannabis products. Shea is one of the truly OGs of the cannabis industry and has worked with some of the most well-known brands in the space like Moxie and HTH, where he set innovative standards for cannabis extraction and paved the way for their success. Now, as the head of his own company, Shea has focused on revolutionizing cannabis and the extraction process in order to provide clean medicine and high-quality extracts to cannabis users. Don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to our interview with Shay Aldretti.
1: Welcome to The Green Rush. Today, I get to do something that's really cool, which is as opposed to recording with my little jar of joy and Donahoe, I get to record with Nick Opich, my buddy, who sits not so far from me here in New York City. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm back. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Well, look, you are our <laughs> producer, and it's 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 just like listening to sports radio. There's the guy who produces the sports radio show, and one of, when one of the hosts can't show up. That producer swings and fills in, and that's you today.
2: I know. I'm usually, I get to listen to all these episodes before everybody else does. So I always get the inside peek, but now I get to actually be behind the microphone. I'm talking, and we got a great guest on today, one of my favorite guys in the space with uh, Shay Eldreddy coming up in a little bit from
1: Gen X Biosciences. but, But, you know, since last you were on, the industry has seen some major changes. We saw the the canopy deal with acreage holdings. We saw the Verano deal, and and then we are recording today on May first. Um, what did we see today?
2: Well, May first we had the the um, what was it Kira Partners uh, was purchased today by uh, Kira Leaf for just under a billion dollars. And uh, for those not familiar with cure partners uh, uh they have the select brand underneath their umbrella they're one of the most popular uh, oil uh distributors across Oregon and California now with the uh, added footprint of all the cure leaf infrastructure these guys are getting ready to just go across the country and it would you see more and more of the these big big deals happening I know we got like the the forefront canex one is one that's getting ready to close up Woo-hoo! soon love right? that. It's a, a, I think this is something we had talked about uh, in December. I think might have even been the last time I was on. Is that this wave of consolidation is something that we're going to see in 2019, and it's been totally just the accelerating.
1: Theme. Yeah, I for me, I think that one of the coolest things about the Select deal is that Select is both a brand itself. So when you go into a dispensary on the West Coast, you can you can buy Select oils, and then you can also see them as a white label oil manufacturer, and that is a hundred percent relevant to what we're going to be talking to. Shay about because Gen X has the same type of thing. It's you know they are um, their own brand, and you can walk into a dispensary like Exhale in in West Hollywood um, and see the the Gen X oils, and then they're also providing oils to other market participants. So I'm I'm excited, and you know Shay. Full disclosure is a is not only a client of ours, but has become a really good friend, and and he is just he is an authentic player in the space and the definition of an OG. I mean, he's been around this for a very long time.
2: Yeah, there's few we were we obviously talk and work with a lot of people in the cannabis industry, but we I think we like to save that term OG for those people that really were in it uh, at the ground level, uh, making all the different connections that um, now we're seeing are getting a lot of attention. Like Shay was there in the early days of Moxie and HTH. He knows the the guys at Tokyo Smoke. He really helped them out as well. And he's maybe not somebody that a lot of the people in the industry have heard up. Uh, up until this point, like now, he's starting to get out there as they're they're going through their own RTO process. So Shay's somebody that everybody's going to need to know soon. So it's exciting for us to be able to ha- kind of have that first first crack at him.
1: Yeah, and when we close out this episode and we go, that's one take Shay, one take, different Shay. Yeah, two different Shays, not not our normal
2: program director. All
1: right, so let's with that, I think let's get on to our conversation with Shay Aldretti, uh, the CEO uh, and founder of Gen X Biosciences. All right, man. Shay, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time.
3: Thanks a lot, Lewis. I appreciate you guys having me on this podcast and uh, I look forward to our conversation.
1: So as the, you know, you're the CEO, the founder of Gen X Biosciences, which is, you know, one of the best um, extraction companies working on the West Coast today. Um, and you've worked with some of the most well-known brands and, hape, you know, help shape their success when it comes to extracts. Um, and before we get into the nitty gritty of like how you actually extract the, the the oils from the plant, how did you get into the space? What's your story? Like- who are
3: you? <laughs> it's funny, Lewis, man. I uh, I'm a I would I'm what you're gonna call a jack of all trades, man. I've uh I've really had a very vast network and a very vast background. Um, you know, not to go too deep into everything, but I've you know been really uh, influential in the action sports industry. I was an ex-athlete as well. You know, I played professional baseball and uh have endured many injuries over baseball, and along that time I started realizing the alternative medicine and the alternative form of, you know, marijuana, you know, during, during those years, I realized, you know, all my teammates were out there slamming tequila shots and drinking beer and alcohol. And it was after the game that I realized that, you know, smoking my joint and self-medicating, it was really where I, you know, started to understand like the true medicinal benefits of cannabis. And along those ways, you know, it, it, it seemed, it, you know, there's a lot that I bring to the table that a lot of people don't know about me, you know, with working in the action and sports industry, you know, being affiliated with brands, like Lost, O'Neill, you know, starting brands like Metal Militia, who the La Jolla Group and Irvine Company bought out. You know, I was affiliated with a lot of like high profile, high traffic, you know, brands and affiliations prior to like, you know, before Instagram and before all this, you know, digital space kind of took place. So, It's funny. I feel like I've almost lived a life of many lives. And, you know, it's funny. I talked to a few old timers that are in this space and they they look at me as the young gun and I'm starting to look at them as like, I'm almost taking over your seat pretty soon, you know. But, uh, you know, the reality is, is, you know, Gen X, you know, came to fruition in 2016 it's a it's a biotech in the cannabis space and you know i really set out to really change cannabis from within you know i understood that cannabis speaks in many different ways and many elements to many different people and i just understood that cannabis was a big part of my life you know my whole life you know i was always i always chose to partake in cannabis versus alcohol you know i never would go to parties and get you know keg stands i would go to the party maybe Pass the passive joint around to one of the friends or so but you know cannabis was always something in my life that I, it never negatively affected me it always positively affected me
1: how old, how old were you when you started smoking
3: uh, you know i would say i was probably about 13 14 years old
1: and how old are you today
3: uh, i'm 34
1: so that's a that's a lot of weed dude
3: been <laughs> medicating more the greater part of my life um yeah it's a kind of a lot of weed you could kind of say i'm a i'm a grassroots connoisseur um but you know along the journey you know i think you know the real topic is like how 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 did gen x come to fruition because that's where we're at today you know and you know gen x you know being an og in the industry and really having a grassroots you know mentality in this industry you know building brands like metal militia and affliction and a lot of these other clothing brands allowed me to have a different microscope and a different scope on, on the vision of what I wanted to build Gen X. And, you know, when we built Gen X, I I just wanted it to be very similar to, like, your iPhone experience. When you open your iPhone, you open the box, and it has that perfect amount of puff when it pops off, and it has, <laughs> like, the most brilliant, like, intro, like, almost like little angels came out of the box, right? And you're like, iPhone, ah, you know, what? I wanted to create that experience with cannabis, you know, I wanted, when you grabbed a Gen X product, you knew exactly the consistency you were smoking, you knew exactly the product that was in there, you knew it was pesticide-free, you knew it was carcinogen-free, you knew it was, the, it was the most quality product you can purchase on the marketplace, and you know, mind you guys, I did this in an unregulated market in 2016 when I was competing against, I don't need to say names, but like tons of brands out there that were just profiteering off it, and it's great, don't get me wrong, let's make our money and let's profiteer, but at some sense, you have to set, separate yourself as the lone wolf away from the pack, and you have to start leading your own pack. And you know that's kind of where Gen X has come to. And you know that's a little bit of intro about you know my 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 work and what I've done previous.
2: Yeah, yeah, and we'll get we'll get further into the Gen X uh, origin story and kind of a, a deeper discussion on that black market stuff. But I I want to jump back real quick to your mention about uh, you're playing in professional baseball. I'm a giant baseball fan. You know this, Shay. Um, Talk about, like, your experiences playing in the minors. Uh, I imagine you were at some of those lower levels. Did you see any kind of cannabis use amongst your teammates? Like, uh, And then how was, like, the, the drug testing? I know that the, the minor league players are under a different um, contract necessarily because you don't have a, a union representing you. So how, how, how are the drug tests done at that level, and uh, what was the cannabis use like?
3: It's interesting you say that because, you know, the time I played was in the early two thousands. So, you know, the cannabis in the early 2000s was a different age than it is now. You know, it's very accepting. It's very open now. You know, I, I'm from LA and Orange County where, you know, you can smoke cannabis outside and it's not frowned upon, you know. As far as a lot of these other states, you go into like the southern states, you go into a lot of these other states where it's not the same, you know, you're very much under scrutiny. And man, guys, I could tell you, if, if I had a quarter for every time I heard a negative comment on what I did for a business and a profession, you know, and it's funny. Now I see these people coming out me as i'm getting ready to take gen x public and i'm doing all this wonderful business stuff they're all at me now it's like hey you got any hot tips or any hot leads
2: yeah as you say how much are your uh, your former teammates trying to get in on it <laughs>
3: should have gone yeah. on the ground floor right yeah,
1: the, a, the a round the a round of gen x they would have been making a ton of money right
3: absolutely you know and then you go back so like yeah my fellow teammates the question was how did we you know you see this stuff back when i was around you know they were testing more for like steroids and they were more worried about like performance enhancing products not what you'd consider performance dehancing if you're medicated you know what i mean (laughs) but the reality was is they had no problem giving us you know vicodins and and you know we had like unlimited supply of ibuprofens and all the like prescription medications we probably wanted and the reality was you know all I needed after a game you know was a nice little joint an ice bath and a nice joint and I was good you know I I didn't have to go out and drink and medicate and take pills and all that and I think you know back then was a little bit of a different time you know nowadays everything's so digital and everything's so fast and everything's at the speed of a a light now you know back then I was using a Motorola phone and a sidekick probably so you know (laughs) technology has, has changed us yeah, technology's changed. us so influential now that, you know, I think the times are a little different. I think, you know, there are a lot of talks that the NFL and a lot of these other, um, you know, NBA and stuff are starting to maybe allow their players to start using CBD and maybe potentially medicated in the near future. I know there's a lot of talks about that. So, you know, yeah. I think we're at the turning of the
1: We've talked with others who've been former athletes like Eugene Monroe, who was in the NBA, and Marvin Washington. And they've all talked about the need to change the collective bargaining agreements to allow for players who are playing in states where it's legal, um, either for medical or adult use purposes, to use it. So
2: hopefully that will happen. You know, the NFL CBA up, I think it's it's 2020. This next year. Yeah. Yeah. And then also Eugene Monroe is an NFL player. Oh no! I'm oh, sorry, Al Harrington. I'm uh, oh, sorry, Al Harrington. Yeah, you're right. Excuse was me. Was the NBA player that we right. we with? Yeah.
1: Yep. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, Al Harrington. He's involved with Viola. I know those guys pretty well.
2: Yeah, Viola extracts.
3: Yeah, with uh, with uh, uh, Frosty Rucker. He's on the players' board and association for the NFL. And we've had some few talks with them on the back end because we're under some, you know, we're doing clinical research studies for, for Gen X and we have some of our products and some medical devices that we're putting together for the marketplace. And, you know, this is a big passion of mine as well as, you know, I I'm a fellow athlete. How do I get fellow athletes to be able to medicate the product and how do I get it into a, a product that they can actually get a prescription from a doctor? Like, how do I get the doctor to prescribe, you know, three puffs of an aerosol technology, water-soluble technology that Gen X has? And, like, you know, it's all about creating these products. And this is, like, dives a little bit more deeper into, like, you know, when you started Gen X, how did you start Gen X? You know, the reality was is delivery method, guys. Everything is delivery method. If you look at, like, our medical sales now and, you know, there's inhaler technology. There's a few technologies out there where they dispense, you know, an accurate dose. And I think that's the biggest thing that Gen X is really going to pioneer here on is the dosage. How do we control dosage, right? How do I let my grandma only take enough that she doesn't get too paranoid or too wigged out? And then she has, you know, there's no such thing as an OD on weed, right guys? You just get, you get too medicated, you fall asleep, but we want to create good experiences. So with that being said, I believe controlled dosage is going to be something here in the near future that, you know, a lot of the, the brands on the marketplace are, are switching over from, um, a profiteering brand to more of, you know, a core brand that actually has substance. And I, I think you're going to see a lot more of those technologies be hitting the marketplace, but that just, it just rounds everything up, you know, like how do I get the doctor to prescribe a Gen X product, right? Well, I got to have a controlled dosage and I got to have a metered device that will allow for that. And then I put that in the medical markets and the recreational markets at the same time. And, you know, we'll let, we'll let them fight for each other. You know, obviously there's a big medical market swing here and, you know, there's a lot of States that are still only medical versus rec. So it allows me to venture, off into these other states as gen x is expanding into these other medical states that are maybe a little bit more microscoped on the thc and i could then you know put clinical research studies from you know i'm working with you know not to name too many people but you know some big schools here on the west coast you know between the la orange county and san diego area and we're all doing you know clinical research studies on cbd thc and you know just how they work with the endocannabinoid system and the science behind it you know guys i'm not the science background but I really put a lot of emphasis on science and Gen X and you know, Gen X is really going to bridge the gap between science and culture. And that's kind of like, you know, that's what our, that's what our, our motto is, you know,
1: bridging the gap between science and culture. I love that. Shay, you, 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 you just laid a whole bunch of stuff on us to unpack. So I want to unpack just one thing at your guys core you're an extraction company right you you take the biomass of the plant and you you extract whether it be oils or sauce or resin or, or whatever but it is still that 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 you know oil the the extraction is for the most part combusted is that the best way to to dose yourself is it is combustion the best because it's it's a quick uptake or You know, because when you think about smoking, whether it's vaping or flour, you're still inhaling something and putting it through your lungs. Is that the safest way to ingest?
3: So you kind of set me up as well, Lewis. You got me on a couple questions here. So yes, I would say, you know, let's look at smoking versus vaping, right? Uh, Vaping tends to be a little bit better for you because it has a lot lot less of a high heating element. So you won't be burning the oils at a higher temperature. So vaping seems to be better there. When as far as ingesting, there's multiple different ways to ingest cannabis, right? And, you know, some of the technologies that we're working on is a water-soluble technology. And that water-soluble technology, I'm sure you hear that around a lot in the industry There a lot of people talk about this nano emulsion and nanotechnology. it's all very similar right and and i you know, like i said i'm not the science background but i can speak a little bit on it on the behalf of what, what's going on with these products you know the, we're taking science and technology and we're really trying to fast forward the cannabis industry to, to at like neck break pace right now and the reality is is you know there's pioneers like myself that really push on this envelope of science. How do I better our products via science? How did iPhone, you know, go from iPhone 1 to iPhone 10, right? And it still does the same thing. It calls and texts people, but yet there's so many added features and so many new technologies that have been developed from the iPhone one to the iPhone 10 and along that way is you know I look at my approach in business very similar like you're right Lewis you know we're an oil producing manufacturer we produce some of the best distillate on the marketplace and have done it for multiple years now and a lot of these top five brands in the industry are looking to us as the white label contract kings right now because they know we can produce this quality distillate at such a high level and give it at a commercialized price and be able to scale scale is something that's going to be really big for the near future that a lot of companies won't be able to keep up with is the commercialization of cannabis. There's so many more people trying to consume the cannabis now because it's not taboo. It's 64 past, and now everybody thinks cannabis is cool. There's so many more mouths to feed, right? Well, how do you keep that connoisseur?
1: By by the way, cannabis was always cool, right?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying for the people out there that have passed judgment on cannabis that now think it's cool, you know what I mean? There's quite a few of those out there but you know it's kind of like your uncle right everybody's got an uncle that always had his nose up but he you know always drank that whiskey and drove his car drunk every night you know do we (laughs) sit there like point the finger at him no but i hey i want yes
1: no 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 if he's drinking whiskey and driving drunk you're definitely pointing the finger at that guy i would much rather him smoke than drive and then, then drink and
2: drive
3: Absolutely. I mean, I'm not condoning either or, but you know, you guys get what I'm saying. You know, you never hear of stories of anybody going out to the shed, you know, smoking joint and then coming back and beating their wife. You know, that just doesn't exist. It's not, it's not what this drug is meant to be. You know, this, this is medicine for people. And I think that, you know, Along the ways, you know, we're starting to pioneer on like technologies, and these technologies are coming in this industry. And people like myself, you know, another a little bit background about myself as well as I, I was part of Cloud Vapes, and Cloud Vapes, we have won probably like 12 cannabis awards through high times through 2012 through 2014. We made that an extremely revenue. We did extreme revenues with that brand, and we've done really well for ourselves. But along that way was it allowed me to understand the technology of vaporizing, understand you know the boiling the heating technologies, the coils, the you know, what to use in the product and what not to use. And I think that's a big deal. As, you know, these regulations step in, people aren't going to be ready for the regulated market. And there's a lot of products out there that are being sold that aren't going to meet regulated standards. And I think that's where you're going to see gen x pull away from a lot of these other brands and you know not only being an oil manufacturing leader but you know we have the gen x brand in the marketplace out there doing really well as well and you know you'll see a lot of other products powered by gen x you know there'll be a lot of brands that will white label through us and then on the back of the product it'll say powered by gen x and you'll know they're getting the premium quality distillate and they're getting nothing but the best in their products
2: yeah, and let's expand on that, on on what truly makes Gen X unique. You've hit on tech. You've hit on the branding side of things. But I think one thing that a lot of people don't know about what really makes you guys unique in terms of what your extraction process is, is this idea of molecular perfection. Can you explain for our listeners what is molecular perfection and what it is about your extraction process that makes you different from what's already available on the market from some of your competitors? Like, is your guys' process better? Is it cleaner? Give us some more of that information.
3: Yeah. I'll talk a little bit about it. Um, you know, molecular perfection was something we came out with uh, as a water clear. We uh, we hit the marketplace in 2016 with water clear distillate, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with water clear. It's 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 the clearest form of distillate you can have. It almost looks like the jar is filled with water, but it's 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 actual distillate. And what that is is multiple different steps of chemistry and processing that goes through, and and a lot of you know, refinement that, is, that goes into the molecular perfection and not to give out too much of the secret sauce, but, you know, that's where our IP is behind. And, you know, that was something that we brought to the marketplace to show that, hey, man, we are true pioneers of this industry. We are the grassroots we are you know the we wanted to be the man in the industry and we wanted to put out nothing but the best so we came out with water clear distillate and that's what the molecular perfection process is so molecular perfection now is going to be a commercialized product across the board we're able to you know, like I go back and talk about like the scalization of equipment. You know that's the biggest deal too. A lot of these uh, a lot of people don't talk about you know the machinery that it takes to make the process happen. And I think that's where a lot of uh,
1: well, well, talk about the machinery that takes that I mean t- talk about your machines.
3: yeah, yeah. So you know, it's kind of like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, you know, he has that unstoppable gobstop maker, right? Uh, look at us having one of those as well. You know, we have a few pieces of equipment that's, you know, all custom made within our facility that, you know, I've, I've literally put about six, seven to eight years worth of my time, effort, sweat, tears into this machinery to allow it to be where it's at. And when I talk about commercialization, guys, there's a big difference between, you know, being that artisanal hobby brand that can win a few awards local, you know, in the city of L.A., but then you know you want to take this across international and you want to take this across 50 states. You got to be able to to have that recipe, be able to translate into other you know areas of the world. So that's something that you know we've really refined over the last several years, and a lot of it has to do with our equipment, guys. And you know some of this equipment is state of the art, stainless steel. I mean, this is this is the t- most top notch equipment. And you know to throw a couple ballparking figures out there, I mean. I've probably put in in the last ten years between a million to three million dollars worth of finances just in equipment.
1: That ain't chump change, man. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of scratch.
3: It's well, a this... lot of scratch, and you know, guys. I'll be honest. I, I got a funny story for you. You know, a lot of these machines and equipment that I was buying was coming from pharmaceutical companies that were selling it on on the low liquidation sales.
2: So you're surfing Craigslist for uh, old pharma equipment, is what you're saying?
3: Pretty much.
2: He's on "Let It Go."
3: <laughs> you got to use your natural resources, right? I'm in the mecca. I'm in Southern California. I have some of the biggest companies in the world out here, and you know they 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 tend to liquidate some things here and there. So I was able to look up some pharma companies that were having some liquidation, and I was able to you know purchase some equipment. And you know, equipment is a big deal, guys. That's the way of the future. That's that's I got to have the best equipment to have the best product. And well, so you're talking about. You're talking
1: about inputs and outputs, right? You know, the machine is the thing that translates the input, which is the biomass. Does the biomass matter, or, or is, you know, when it comes to, to the oils, it all so talk well, then educate me. Why does the biomass matter? And you guys are not vertically integrated, you don't grow your own. So, where are you getting your biomass from?
3: Yep, yep, good questions. Um, So the biomass you know this this industry has been built on relationship and you guys know that from you know hearing from many people in this industry you know i've developed some really strong relationships in northern california over the i've been in this industry for probably the greater 20 years now i say between around 1999 to 2000 when i first started getting my feet wet But along those years, you know, I've developed strong relationships with these farmers that have now, you know, made the turn to go legal. Some have it and some have, you know, don't get me wrong. There's still a lot up in the Northern California area where there's still wild west. But, you know, a lot of the guys that I work with in the Northern California region have made the turnover to legal. And along those ways, I've allowed to just, you know, continue a long-term relationship with these guys. And that's, that's a big deal for my brand. You know, when you start looking at these brands and you start looking at, you know, what they stand for and what they do and who their operators are. I think that's the biggest deal is, you know, the management team's a big deal is because, you know, if I didn't have these relationships and I had to cultivate these on day one, you know, we wouldn't be getting the prices or the love that we get, you know, we have a vast Rolodex and not a lot of people get to, you know, talk about the Rolodex because a lot of people keep that private. But the thing with Gen X is we have a very strong Rolodex in Northern California and our biomass Rolodex is just immense. Like I can get us, you know, a large amount of biomass. So, that's something big and that was something big for the investors as well because they understand that you know some investors I mean I'm talking guys I'll, I'll spend anywhere from a million to 3 million dollars on just buying raw material. How how often? To keep the machines going. Probably every other month. Probably every 60 90 days. Wow.
2: That is that is a lot of product. <laughs> yeah.
3: You know, you know what's interesting is 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 this extraction business uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to see companies like my my company Gen X yeah, they're going to come from the the side really quick and really fast. We are the anomaly, guys. We we are able to turn our doors and open our doors and just start literally are, pumping oil out of that facility.
1: Are you buying the same strain from each of the different farmers, or are you blending it? Are we looking at hybrids? I mean, how does how does how does the consistency work? Because you talked about wanting to make Gen X both a national, you know, 50 state brand, and then eventually an international brand. When you buy a Tylenol in New York or in Dubai, it's exactly the same. So, and that's a, that's a function of inputs, right? So, are you working with the farmers that you're buying your biomass from to say, okay, I want Gorilla Glue Four or I want OG Kush or whatever, whatever it is? Are you really consistent in what you're buying?
3: Absolutely. That's that's a great question, Lewis. There's there's a couple ways to look at that. You know, the consistency is king, you know, it that, that, that really has to do with our formulations. You know, Gen X is really strong on formulations. That's our bread and butter, you know, that's what I pride our business on is being able to have a consistent product through and through i mean when when you pick up that gen x product you know exactly what you're getting every time and and that was like our biggest testament to this industry was you know staying at a commercialization level but be able to keep that quality and the quality is important because you know like you said the advil is the same as it is in new york as it is in california you know that's formulations that's that's you know your in-house biochemist that you have formulating your product and you know a little bit about Gen X is Gen X takes pride in that. You know, we have a, we have an in-house, you know, chemical engineer that is that has built SOPs for our brand to establish that if I move to New York or Washington or Florida that I will be making the same Gen X pen there as I would in California. And and the reason being is you know you gotta break the products down to multiple different levels, right? Like you have your sauce and distillate carts, you have your rosin cart, you have a distillate with just terpenes cart. So there's multiple different products, right? So along those ways those products have to be built and made as well. So that sauce, has to, I have to get that sauce from a specific farmer that's pesticide-free, that has that triangle OG or that tangy OG or that pineapple express. So going back to the question of do you work with the farmers to get the same amount of, you know, products and flavors, et cetera, yes. You know, that's a really big deal in our relationships is that we've secured farms that have these products that we'll, that we'll be able to have on our shelf and keep continually have on our shelf. Because, you know, we go in at the very first start of these farms and we work with the farmers to understand the genomics of the plant to understand the terpene profiles because we're extracting those terpene profiles to be pulled out and to be reintroduced in the product so all of our pens when you look at our distillate and our sauce pens that's distillate plus sauce so that's a full spectrum product but when you look at our product that's distillate with you know pineapple terpenes that's 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 not fake flavoring that's 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 uh cannabis derived terpenes so i just wanted that to be clear you know when we go to these farms we're also sourcing terpenes as well how do i get the best terpene profiles well you got to work with the best growers you know there's you got to match all these things up and that's kind of where you know you look to us as being these this industry leader of you know having these relationships you know that's where i see us having a big advantage compared to all our competitors you know we have the rolodex we have the understanding of how to extract it all and you know we put these great quality products on the marketplace and everybody loves them we've got great feedback
2: Shay, before we jump into I wanna I want to get back into your early relationships in a second here, but can you explain what sauce is? I think there's still a good part of the country that's in unregulated markets and may not fully understand what that type of product is. So or could, resin
1: or any of the other stuff that you're talking about. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's many facets of the business. You know, you have you have a rosin, which uh, you know, it's it's been kind of the new wave right now. Rosin is a, a solvent-free extraction. And w- with rosin, you have it, it's, its introduction is heat. So they're using um, high-pressure plates with, like, 18,000 pounds of pressure, and they're squeezing the buds. And with that squeezing pressure and heat, it is pushing out the resin from the plant, which is what your your oil, your, your hash rosin would become out. So you have hash rosin. Then you have sauce. You know, sauce is a high – terpene profile extract and what sauce is is that uh, most of the time sauce is done in a closed loop system and what what sauce is is a full spectrum product so you have all the cannabinoids you have all the flavors you get them the full spectrum of sauce and I, and I like the sauce carts because that is the most connoisseur smoking as i mean rosin carts are very new wave to the marketplace i don't think a lot of people have experienced rosin
1: and do you need do you need a special vape pen for it or can it work on any pen?
3: Well there there are certain pens that work better the it's all about the aperture of the air going through the the pen and a lot of the cartridges that we use are all you know stamped and approved for the new regulated market coming coming here soon and it's you know it's an interesting question you say that um you know, Lewis, because the big, the big deal is, you know, you got to put the best quality product out there as an oil, but we also have to match it with the best quality hardware. And I think hardware is going to be a big deal here for a lot of other brands in the marketplace that haven't put as much effort into understanding the regulations coming through is, you know, a lot of cartridges have heavy metals. A lot of these terpenes will strip um, the copper and the meddling off these, these products. And this is some stuff that I know, cause I've been in the vaporizer industry for the greater part of you know, 10 years now. So I understand how these are made. I understand the internals of these products. And I think that's where you're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, articles coming out, like, you know, terpenes are melting the plastic away or terpenes are stripping the metals and heavy metal contaminants in these products. And I think that's, that's the way of the future is being ahead of those curves, not, not falling in those pitfalls because we've already foresee it coming.
1: When we were in Toronto um, a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and you know, as we said at the top of the show, Shay is a, a client. Shay, you were at the Benzinga Show. I got to overhear you having a conversation with a, a hardware manufacturer about the issues of the different um, oil substrates. Because like, when you extract from the, the cannabis plant, you then have to mix that oil with something else, and sometimes it's coconut oil or other things. It, it, does does that make a difference? Do those types of of, I don't know if it's a binding agent or whatever you call it. Do, do those matter?
3: Absolutely, that's a great question. You know, there's a lot of products in the marketplace right now that are using like I would, what what you'd consider maybe a cutting agent. Um, a cutting agent being an MCT oil, um, a PG, or a you know propylene glycol. These are all you know agents that a lot of these companies are using to just cut down the product a little bit. And I don't know if it's for reasons of the cartridges they're using or whatnot, but, you know, it's a big deal. You know, Gen X has taken pride in not being a business that has done that. You know, a lot of our product is hundred percent cannabis derived. So nothing inside that product has any propylene glycols. Nothing has been cut inside with coconut oil or MCT. And I think that's a big deal because as you know, we're in these regulated markets, you know, people like the FDA are are always looking at consumable products, et cetera. And I think it's, it's an interesting time to be alive through this, you know, revolution that, you know, we are pioneering these products without these in it. And I know that's because there's going to be a lot of other products in the marketplace that have it in there. And it's, you know, it's, it's more or less, um, I think a more of a profiteering thing than it is, um, for the cartridges, but the reality is, is, you know, Gen X products have been wholesome. We don't use any of the cutting agents, and, you know, our for- back to our formulations, our formulations is everything, you know. Um, we take really pride on our formulated products, and, you know, I think that's, that. I know that's what stands the test of time.
2: So we've covered a lot of the the actual products that Gen X makes, but... Uh- Your role as CEO is uh, something I think that's a little bit new for you. You've been a lot on the, the branding side, but you've never been the CEO of a public company before, and you're currently going through that RTO process right now with Gen X. What's been the most surprising thing to you that you've learned through this process? How has this experience been for you?
3: experience has been great man you know i look i've got very great partners i've got great solid people around me like you guys lewis and nick and you know it's been a it's been a great experience you know i'm a businessman i like to look at myself as an entrepreneur and i think you know what's interesting guys is that you know a lot of people use that term entrepreneurship uh very loosely i think it's very important you know when you put your name on a product it's who you are It's it's your last name that's all you have and you know i think along this way i've just I've, I've, I've driven headfirst into this. You know, I, I had no expectations. I had no experience of running a publicly traded company. I don't have any of those, but you know, I do have good work ethic and I have morals. And I think, you know, when you lead with that in your business, it, it transpires down to your employees. And I think it's, it's, it's about building your management team. You know, I have solid people around me and you know, my experience has been great.
1: Has there been something that's really surprised you? I mean, you're, you're spending, you know, your background is, working with, with farmers and finding distribution channels or partners for your product, finding the right employees, but now you're dealing with investors. Has there been a question that you've been asked that you went, I never anticipated that question or, or like what has been the most surprising thing about the, the investment process? Because a lot of the, the people who are listening here are either are investors themselves or thinking about getting involved with a public company. And, and, you know, you are one of the, the unique cats in this space who is, you know, you're learning how to be a public company CEO as you're preparing to be a public company CEO. So has there been something that you have experienced or learned that you like, I really wish I knew that eight months ago or five months ago?
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I, like I said, you know, this last year has been a lot of guys. I'm every night I'm at home studying before I go to bed, learning, trying to learn something new about, you know, the public marketplace. And, you know, there's, there hasn't been too many things that have like left me in awe, but what's interesting is to really see the amount uh financial capital being poured into this industry and there's not enough of me's, right? There's not enough of guys like me that have been in this industry that are business savvy enough to understand that, hey, this is a regulated marketplace and and if I, can pull my business and my Rolodex together. This can expand over fifty states and then even international. And I think, you know, that's where I become more of the anomaly. And I think, you know, telling other investors, you know, like, you know, what what do you look for when you go look at these companies? You really have to understand who the guy is and who I am and what I've done in this industry, what my credibility is, what my track record is, you know, what other brands in this marketplace say about me. You know, I'm I'm affiliated with some of the top five biggest companies in California. And I, I believe LA marketplace will be the leaders of, you know, the all United States, you know, a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on Northern California, you know, that's where it's all grown. But all the brands are born in LA. And there's a lot of people moving and shaking in LA. And every day, you have to stay relevant. And every day, you know, people talk, you know, and I think it's just important that for these investors, you know, I I see a lot of investors getting involved, and they get they go in and they buy this equipment that they don't know nothing about. They they did a little bit of research online, but online research isn't the same as, you know, tests and proven research and and things that I've endured and pitfalls and money and finances that I've gone through. So I think it's really falls on, you know, who's the heart and soul of the operations of the business? Like, you know, who is that? And, you know, that's really what you're putting your money on, you know, and a lot of people always, you know, what's that saying in Lewis that we talked about, you know, are they betting on the horse or are they betting on the jockey, you know? And I think the reality is, is like, you got to have solid people in this marketplace because there's a lot of investors getting involved that are buying out of the box you know extraction systems that have just poured in like so much money that they're not going to get out of it because they didn't buy the right system it was maybe easy for them to operate where they only had to push one or two buttons but it's not the right piece of equipment to get the numbers to scale to where you need it to go and i think you know it's you know to answer your question i think that's kind of you know where where we're at with, you know, you know, Gen X being, you know, having tests improvement, being in the marketplace, you know, maybe not on a public side. We haven't. But, you know, from the emerging industry that we're coming out of, you know, we have all the tools in our tool belt.
1: You know, you've been in the industry for almost 20 years um, and you've become something. It's, it's funny. It took 20 years for you to become an overnight success. Right. Um, but 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 there have been moments i'm sure there have been moments over the last 2 decades that you went oh my god i just made the biggest freaking mistake ever and that's going to kill this business can you talk about one of those those oh shit moments and maybe a lesson that you learned that you've been able to apply so that you don't make that same mistake and i know i'm putting you on the spot here it could be it could be anything anything man yeah, anything. like there's a, it's like literally you know, the, you talk about the soul of this entrepreneur, right? Like, you, you know, not everybody can be an entrepreneur, but, but the, the essence of entrepreneurship is failing, picking yourself up, dusting yourself off, saying, I realize why I failed and I'm not doing that again. So give us one of them. What is that, oh shit moment? Like, oh my God, I just drove this this company off the cliff and then you saved it. Like, what was that moment? Um,
3: I'll be honest with you guys. So, you know, <laughs> earlier part of 2016, you know, I started Gen X and I, I started Gen X. I had a, I had a terpene company um, and the terpene company was something that I thought was going to be really revolutionary. I thought, you know, there's so many pen companies out there. I'm going to start a company that just focuses on the terpenes and the science. And so along those ways, I realized that I was too early to the marketplace. I import all these resources, all these finances into a project that was just not there yet there was no education the marketplace wasn't ready i was too early to the dance and it's funny because you know i had some negotiations and potential sales of that company back then and i short sold them really 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 soon you know but i look back at it that's kind of what has pushed me to go to where i'm at now because at that time it was the margin market wasn't moving that fast the, the legalization wasn't really like it wasn't in full swing cities like santa Ana and la were just barely giving out their first licenses so i just thought at that time like oh shit like do i like fuck i have this business i've invested all this money ip time research all this into it and at that time was really the inception of jet x it really was like you know what, like there's no, it's not going to go by the wayside. You're just too soon. You're just too early to the marketplace. And that was like a really, oh shit moment for me then, because I'll be honest, you know, I took grandfather, you know, my grandfather was one of the the, the oldest investors in cannabis. He was 98 years old.
2: <laughs> wow.
3: wow man, I-
1: you shook down your 98 year old grandfather for a weed company. The man's
2: trying to raise money, man.
3: I need to get some money for my weed company and like, he just was like, son, you know, I love you. You always make good decisions. And like, I think if this is where your heart is, I'm like, this is where my heart is. Just, I just knew it was like one of those oh shit moments. Like, fuck, I got to pivot. And when I make this pivot, it's all in. And, you know, going back to being an entrepreneur, like, you know, that's it. Being all in is everything. Like when you say it, you say it, like you're in, like that's, that's not a loose term for me. I'm a man of my word. I'm, I'm Italian. I'm, you know, I'm a family guy. Like, you know, that's, that was it. And, you know, there was, that was that ocean moment of like, I got grandpa's money riding on it too. And that's always been an inside joke with me and some of my partners, because when we were looking at that potential sale, I had a name listed on there as unknown and the people buying the company were like, well, who is unknown? And I'm like, just doesn't matter. Just you got to pay that person off their earliest seen investor. Like <laughs> unknown was my grandfather. So
2: all right, let's talk about the black market for a minute, because this is a, a topic that I know you've been uh, you've been pretty passionate about. You've spoken in the past about how there's unregulated or some of these non-compliant brands, especially in California, that are profiting off the black market or the gray market as it currently is. Um, and you've taken an interesting sales approach when you know there's a lot of brands that are just like pushing all their stuff out there, trying to get all the consumer eyeballs. You took this approach of pulling back a lot of Gen X products from different stores that you thought maybe um, could be operating unlicensed or just may not be good actors in the space. Um, Talk talk about why you decided to make that move right now and uh, just kind of what the current gray market status is in California.
3: Absolutely. You know uh – the great market, you know, the black market is thriving. You know, it's 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 sad to say there's just not a lot of educational out there for these people to understand the difference. You know, what, what we took pride in with Gen X was always being compliant. You know, like I said, our product was pesticide free f- since 2016. You know, that was something we took pride in. And with that being said, you know, over the last uh, about, you know, year and a half or so, We've pulled back a lot of our products from unregulated, you know, deliveries or dispensaries that were working in the black market. And the reason being for that is, you know, I want to be a leader and pioneer of this, you know, white market. And, you know, with regulation stepping in, I realized the only way for us to really do that was to make the clear distinction between the two. and. It's 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 tough because, you know, don't get me wrong, guys, you know, my investors look at top line revenues and I have to report to them on our top line revenue. But when the top line revenue decreases by 30, 40, 50 percent because you pulled your product out of, you know, a good amount of stores that are unregulated, you know, you start to get a little worried. But, you know, the reality is, is, you know, we're here to stay, you know, we're here to, you know weather the storm through the unregulated market to the above ground market. And with that being said, you know, we had to take the first step by only putting our products in regulated markets. And, you know, like I said, top line revenue was affected by it because you saw a big drastic decrease in sales. But, you know, as the regulated market grows and grows and continues to grow and as the Bureau continues to give out new licenses, et cetera, you know, you can see this market starting to, you know, really grow at, at a good rate. But, you know, you're right, though. You know, we've taken a little bit of a haircut, you know, from our product sales standpoint. But I think it's a good move for us because it shows the marketplace that you can only get Gen X products in licensed stores.
1: And you're going to be a a publicly listed company. So you need to be completely on the up and up.
2: Well, well... Well, expand on that. Like, because California is is a legal market, I think in, in most people's understandings of a legal recreational market, they should be able to go into a store and be able to buy cannabis. How so? How does this gray market exist? How are these businesses able to operate without these licenses? And where's the enforcement? Why why is there the con, the why is the consumer confused by what is regulated and what's not? Ah, uh,
3: you know, so uh, that's not a good question. You know. To be honest with you there's not a lot of education out there for the consumer to understand the difference i mean the under the consumer looked on the tv and saw prop 64 pass so now cannabis is legal, right? But there was no justification between the delivery that's delivering you a legal product and a delivery that's delivering you legal product. There's no way for any consumer to really understand that. And I think that's where there needs to be some education that has to come through. And that's, you know, it's got to come from the top down, you know, maybe an educational platform of Uh, You know, the the interesting thing is, is you start looking at these local municipalities, they're all a little bit different too. the state of California says that weed's legal and under Prop 64, you know, cannabis is legal. But there's a lot of cities like Beverly Hills, Laguna Beach, a lot of these really, really, really like, you know, high per capita areas that are.
1: Let's just call them bougie, shall we?
3: bougie yeah they're very bougie areas that just don't they they're still stuck in the ways of they don't want that riffraff right when the reality is is like they're just little local you know municipalities that are trying to govern their own little municipality city and you know to be honest to you it's causing a lot of you know disruption because there are a lot of people that need this as medicine i mean guys you know a big part of my my background was I grew cannabis for cancer patients and that's a big deal for me is in the medicine standpoint, there's a good friend of mine. His name was Luke, the brave. Uh, he was very influential in this industry. A lot of people knew him. My friend, Chris from G pen was good friends with him. My buddy, Jared from West coast cure was good friends with him. We all were really close with this kid cause he had cancer and he had a disease called EB where his, his skin wouldn't attach to the muscles. So it would Ooh. just float and he was always in pain. Right. So I would make him RSOs. I would grow grow him the CBD. I would make him shatters. He liked to medicate with dabs. We made him vape pens. And I mean, like, these are the people that really need the medicine. So when you talk about municipalities passing judgment on if they want cannabis in their city for riffraff, like that's just, that's just selfish. You know, there's, I think every city should have an ordinance and every city should be able to control and govern that just like they do the water company, just like they do all these other companies. Like, there's, there should be no difference. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of, there's a lot of fight in a lot of little, in a lot of little cities in the Southern California region that, that are, that are dealing with these problems. But, you know, it's, 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 it's like a roadblock for people to get medicine. For instance, if Luke passed, you know, rest, rest in peace, he passed away, but if he was still around in this day, he couldn't get in the car and go drive. He'd have to have a caregiver come to him. So hopefully he's not living in Beverly Hills or Laguna beach or any of these cities that aren't passing ordinances for local deliveries to let people get the medicine they need.
1: As an OG, as a guy who's been in the space for, for a very long time, and, and you know guys on both sides of the line, guys who are like you, you know, working in the, the regulated legal market, you, you know, you have plans on going public, you are a CEO. And then I'm sure you still have friends who are on the other side of the line who are looking at you going, now how are they looking at you? Are they looking at you with like, oh man, he, he made it or he sold out?
3: Uh, you know, it's funny. I got a couple people looking at it both ways, but a lot of these guys are like, man, you're crazy to be putting your neck on the line like that. And I go, man, I'm not crazy when I put my neck on the line for what I believe in. You know, and at the end of the day, like, that's the true testament of why Gen X has become so successful is because everybody that works on board with Gen X believes in what we do. That's like, and that comes from the top down. Yeah. You know, I like to like, everybody's like, oh, you're the boss or you're, you're a boss. or You're this. No, I'm not a boss. I'm a leader. Okay. And, and there's a big difference. A boss tells people what to do. A leader shows people what to do. And, you know, I've been a leader in this industry for a long time now. And that's my testament and that's my honorhood to this industry. You know, I'm a statesman for cannabis. And along those ways, you know, there's got to be leaders like myself that are not afraid to grow cannabis for my friend, Luke the Brave, who I was growing illegal CBD for back in the day. Like, the pure joy I got by just helping others through cannabis is what I do it for. And, you know, yes, I do like to make a livelihood of this. And, yes, I do like to make a lot of money one day. But along the ways, you have to do everything for the right reasons. And I feel like... That's what I tell my friends and they're like, "Are you are you worried about doing that article on LA Times and like aren't you worried about doing this?" I'm like not really because everything i'm saying is true i live and breathe and sleep what i do like that's who i am like if i didn't do that maybe i'd be worried and maybe if i was lying i'd be worried but i'm not and i think that's that's the difference but yeah you know i do see a lot of the guys that have like snickered and looked at me as like oh you're just like a cannabis dealer and you own dispensaries and now they're looking at me with a stock ticker and they're like oh my gosh can i you got any tips can i get in (laughs) you know I, i i i don't I don't. I, I forget. Don't get me wrong. I'll forgive and I'll forgive. But you know, it's it's kind of hard to see those guys in our space. You know, trying to b- rub elbows with you, and you see him at the Benzinga or you see him at the Capitol Conference, or you see him somewhere, and you're like, man, you were the same guy that was passing judgment on me like four or five years ago.
1: <laughs> you're about to make a lot of money,
3: um, and and uh, maybe
1: it's the first time in your life that you're gonna you know you're gonna be worth bank. Have you thought about what you want to do with your life beyond Gen X, you know, you're going to have, you know, you're going to be the CEO of a a cannabis company. And at some point you're going to either make or be worth millions and millions of dollars, life changing money. How is it going to change your life?
3: Um, That's a great question, man. You know what? Like my, my biggest thing that I've always tried to be in my life is just real and true and who I am. I don't care if you got a hundred million or you got five bucks, I'm still going to treat you the same way. And it's, it's, it's funny you say that Lewis, you know, I've had quite a few people come out of the woodworks when they've read like LOIs and things that have been put out there. And it's funny, you know, like, like I said, I can forgive and forget. Like I'm one to hold judgment. If you like took my lunch in sixth grade, you know what I mean? (laughs) But the funny thing is, is like,
1: and by the way, that's really funny knowing how big you are today. There's nobody taking your lunch today.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, I'll be honest. Nobody ever has, but I just use that as an example. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're right. You know, I think here's the thing is that I think it's important to be true to who you are. And, you know, yeah, I'm very thankful. I'm very humbled. Every day I just continue to stay humble. I think that's my biggest key to success is staying humble and staying grounded. And I think that's important because I don't want people to look at me any different between the amount of zeros I have, you know, after this is said and done. I want people to look and respect me for who I was, you know, before and after. And you know, with that being said, I think, you know, I'm excited. I want to build a legacy. I really do. I want to build a legacy in this cannabis space. I want to be known for being the pioneer from the Southern California area that have has dodged bullets that has you know dipped and dived from operations that have you know stood the test of time that has done it for the better, greater part of cannabis. And with that being said, when I do make these monies and start putting reinvest back into my industry, et cetera, I'll do that along the way and i'll I'll do charitable things that will help you know other people that have been just as passionate. I think there needs to establish there needs to be established programs in our industry that help people you know, get involved with this and know better people than somebody that has already been successful in this industry, you know?
2: Could, couldn't agree more. Love, love the energy. Love the very refreshing take you're giving, Shay um you've been really gracious with your time um we just have a couple more questions um where i want to make sure we, we 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 hit on is that um so gen x you guys are you talked about your background is la your guys products are, are available in the, in the socal region but what's the plan for expanding beyond that area when are we going to start seeing those products in norcal when are we going to see them in other legal markets like oregon nevada massachusetts talk about what's next for gen x
3: great questions you know uh I just want it to be clear that, you know, Gen X has been very hyper-focused on the Southern California region just because this is our back door. You know, our facility is being uh, under construction in the Long Beach area. So we'll be able to service the greater part of LA. And, you know, I think there's a lot of business that can be done here. But, you know, future expansion with Gen X, uh, we have a lot of opportunities on the line. You know, we have opportunity to expand in Massachusetts and vertically integrate with a building out there that will be able to do large cultivation. You know, it's like 30,000 square feet of cultivation. So, you know, these are some things on the pipe line for us we also have some opportunity in florida detroit michigan um you know and nevada as well so these are areas that we you know we're going to venture off into but i just wanted to be known that we're super hyper focused on the southern california region right now and as operations start to expand you know you can look to see JetX, you know all across you know 50 states in the near future we're just you know doing it strategically right now and just you know working we're, we're building the building the blocks of the, the corporate structure back home and just continue to grow
2: well, I think that just means i got to get a, a flight out to L.A. so I can get me some Gen X products. Isn't that right, Lewis?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There.
2: I agreed to fly you to L.A., yeah. but I didn't say when. All right. It's all right. I can go hang out with Ann. It'll be cool. Um, Good
3: to have you guys out there. Come come, take a walk through the facility as we're doing construction or when it gets close to finish. you know.
2: Next time for sure. Yes. Um, all right, Shay. So, uh, last question for you, for you today. Well, you've listened to the podcast, so you know this one's coming. And we have the ongoing segment of While You Were see- Sleeping. Uh, tell or sleeping. Us- or it sleeping. Depends on what's sleeping out of where. It's been a long day. All right. <laughs> um, but, but, Shay, tell us the one thing that you think uh, that's missing in the press or like the public doesn't understand about cannabis. So, and if you're picking up the LA Times, what's the story that you want to read on the cannabis industry that you're not seeing?
3: Huh. You guys are stumping me with this question, but, um, I think the biggest thing that I would like to see on the, you know, on the LA times is just uh, how cannabis is positively enhancing people's lives more. I want to see more of the, you know, the testimonies from the people that have been in the shadows for a long time. I think there's a lot of users out there that have been using this cannabis for a medicine for a long time and haven't been able to be open, open about it. And I think, you know, we need more, we need more people like that, that are willing to step out and say, Hey, I've been using cannabis longer than you think I have. And this has helped me do this, this, and this. And I think there's so many more stories out there about cannabis that aren't being talked about. This, this plant's been suppressed for hundreds of years. You know, it was medicine. You know, I've seen photos in the 1900s with it says cannabis sativa and cannabis indica and they were you know like probably rso oils that you know some doctor made way back in the day but you know the reality is is i i I see you know it's got a voice this plant speaks to us and i want to i want us to all be able to hear it and i want us to all listen and you know that'd be my biggest thing
2: yeah, I second that and on top of it I want to make sure that the artwork is respectful of that as well cuz I feel like a lot of times the artwork that gets associated even with some of these cannabis a positive stories still has somebody smoking a joint which already has a negative connotation to it or has like these psychedelic effects on the on the image which I think, you know, as much as the story's still positive, it still gives the reader that initial like this is a a sin drug type look. Yeah. So
3: I mean, it would be pretty cool to see, like, you know, some congressman standing in front of the Capitol with a joint in his mouth. Maybe it's not lit, but it'd be pretty cool just to see him standing there with it, right?
1: Can't can't do it on federal property, but, yes, that would be cool.
3: Ben, you know what I mean. Like, maybe yeah. you're out on the street or something in front of it. I don't know.
1: Um. All right, man. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time with us.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate you guys.
1: A special thanks to Shay Aldretti, our friend and CEO of Gen X Biosciences. To find out more about them, you can go to their website, uh, which is genxgenxbiosciences.com, biosciences.com, or to follow them and see amazing photography on Instagram, go to at genxtech.com to chat with us or to send us emails or you can send me hate mail um shoot us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com um you can follow us on twitter um at the underscore greenrush or on instagram and the handle is at the greenrush underscore podcast and i'll tell you something that's one damn take shay and i don't mean shay aldretti that's one take